Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 618 for the 11th of November, 2018. This week, On One's Photo Raw continues the company's effort to work with Photoshop and Lightroom while competing with those same applications. A new version ships this month. In short circuits, the terms internet and privacy can exist in the same sentence if you're cautious about selecting applications and services to use. Microsoft has reduced the size of Windows 10 updates, but only for enterprise users who have deployed 64-bit computers. Why not for home users? Websites can see dozens of attacks every day by crooks who are attempting to plant malware. In spare parts, only on the website, a new version of True Image, the backup application by Acronis, will add the ability to backup cloud-based data files. USB devices are being pegged as the most significant threat to industrial process control networks, which are the ones that run the electric grid refineries and other essential systems. And some advertisements on the internet are just six seconds long. Advertisers are learning how hard it is to communicate a meaningful message in such a brief period. On One Photo Raw is a standalone photo editing application that can also be used as a plug-in within Adobe's Photoshop and Lightroom applications. I've been working with a late beta version of the application, which will be released later this month. The release date hasn't been announced yet, but existing users can upgrade and new users can buy the 2019 version now and receive the beta immediately, then receive the final version when it's released. Upgrades are $80, new users will spend $100. On One says that an artificial intelligence masking feature will allow users to create a selection or mask that relies on AI technology to detect subject matter and automatically create the mask. Other applications that operate in either standalone or plug-in mode include Alien Skin's Exposure X4, which was reviewed here in October, and DxO's Photolab 2, which is scheduled for review next week. There's a lot on the PhotoRaw user interface. Initially, users will see the Browse screen. You'll see an example of that on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week, www.techbiter.com. The left column contains a list of directories that contain photographs. At the bottom of the left column, there are icons that show or hide the directory list, switch between thumbnail view and single image view, show or hide a film strip at the bottom of the single image view, and provide before and after views of whatever image the user is working on. If you select an image, it will have a yellow box around it, the right side of the screen displays information about the camera and lens used to create the selected image, some metadata about the image, and a list of keywords. Keywords that apply to the image will be shown as selected. Icons in the upper right corner switch between Browse View and Edit View, and below those icons are additional icons that switch between Layer, 
Panorama Tools, HDR Tools, and Focus Stack Tools. More about Focus Stack in a little bit. In the lower right corner, there are icons for resetting the image if you decide you want to go back to the beginning, resizing it, and exporting it. Once you're on the edit screen, you'll find a variety of presets that can be used as starting points for image editing. The toolbar is on the left edge of the screen, and there are icons to show or hide the film strip view, which is at the bottom of the screen. Icons directly under the image switch between before and after views and allow split-screen viewing. A histogram is in the upper right corner. Develop settings are below the histogram. And in the image you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, I marked a bee. The bee was approaching a sunflower, and the bee is just a blur, so I decided that I wanted to remove it. We'll see how to do that. I wanted to make the sunflower really pop. It was bright already, but I wanted it even brighter. So I selected the layer with the original image, clicked the Effects option, and then chose the HDR look. After pumping up the HDR settings quite a bit, I was happy with the look, but that blurred B was still present. On One Photo Raw 2019 offers two options for taking care of problems like that. I expected them both to work about equally well, but that didn't happen. My first choice was the perfect eraser tool. That seemed like the best choice. After several tries, I found that this tool needed me to select a larger area than I'd expected it to. The B was removed, but there was still a slight smudge where it had been. You'll see that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Then I tried the retouch brush. Again, I needed to select a larger area than expected, but the space formerly occupied by the B was clear. Those who like to add text to photos will welcome PhotoRAW's new text layer feature. It's a function that's been missing from Lightroom since the beginning. Adding text in Lightroom requires sending the image from Lightroom to Photoshop, or now to On One Photo Raw. It is clear that this is the first iteration of the text tool, because added text can't be rotated or otherwise manipulated. The user does have a choice of color, typeface, size, and justification. One of the primary differences between Adobe's Lightroom and applications such as On One Photo Raw is how the various applications store information about changes made to the images. All of the applications make changes non-destructively. That means it's always possible to get back to your original image. Lightroom stores the changes in a catalog file, which is not directly accessible. Other applications use what are called sidecar files, either in the same directory with the image or in a subdirectory. Those who have used Adobe Camera Raw will also be familiar with sidecar files that are created before raw images are opened in Photoshop. There's an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week that shows a typical raw file which contains very little human-readable information. When opened in an application such as Notepad, the file may display a camera ID, and the date and time the image was captured, but that's about it. After that, it's all data from the camera's sensor. Adobe Camera Raw does create a human-readable file that displays information about the camera, the lens, and all of the changes made to the image by Camera Raw. On One Photo Raw displays information about the camera, the lens, and the image basics in human-readable form, but then all of the information about changes made by the application are in a gigantic block of binary data. 
not readable by humans. DxO Photolab 2, which we'll take a look at next week, displays all of its information in human readable form. Now this may seem like it should make a difference, but in fact it doesn't. Even if the file is human readable, it's not a file you'd ever want to edit. Whichever system was chosen by the software developer is the one that works best for the development process. In other words, don't worry about it and don't mess with the sidecar files. As with Exposure 4, PhotoRAW offers to import data from Lightroom for those who want to avoid Lightroom's software-as-a-service or rental pricing model. Although PhotoRAW's migration feature does a good job, the conversion from one system to another is never without risk. On One takes note of that in a video that I've included on this week's TechBiter Worldwide website. Users of PhotoRAW 2018 or earlier versions will notice that the user interface has been changed. There's a new non-destructive workflow for layers, the ability to auto-align layers, focus stacking, a new portrait module, digital asset management updates, and the new text tool that I mentioned previously. Focus stacking is new in the 2019 version, but it isn't fully functional yet in the beta. This is a process that blends a collection of images taken at different focusing distances to extend the apparent depth of field. This is an important feature, particularly for close-up images of small objects. After selecting two or more images, users are warned that the results won't be saved in the beta version, and I received an additional warning that I didn't have enough images. I selected only two. So in lieu of a demonstration by me, Wikipedia illustrates the process using images by Muhammad Mahdi Karim. Two sample images at different focal points are shown, one that shows focus near the front of a fly and the other that shows focus near the back of the fly. In practice, more than two images are generally used, sometimes dozens. The third image you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website is a composite of six such images. Although focus stacking isn't a commonly used technique, it is worth trying for close-up work, but also for landscapes when you'd like to have absolutely sharp focus at close and far distances without the problems that might result from stopping the lens down to f16 or f22. PhotoRAW 2019 includes layers in the main program in both develop and effects modules. The changes created by layers are non-destructive, and the user has complete control over opacity, density, and blending mode. Adjusting these values can dramatically affect the result, so experimentation is important. A new portrait module automatically detects faces and then offers a series of retouching tools. So the bottom line is 5Cats, impressive updates to On One Photo Raw make it a contender. Users who are committed to Lightroom will want to use On One Photo Raw as a plug-in, but those who prefer perpetual licenses to rental programs should take a look at the new version of the application. You'll find additional details on the On One website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. In short circuits, internet privacy is not an oxymoron. 
The Mozilla organization is a strong proponent of internet security and privacy. The company's blog has a post that describes seven apps and services that are equally committed to being reliable sources of privacy and security for their consumers. The list includes search engine DuckDuckGo, ProtonMail, The Tor Project, and others. Let's take a look. Maybe you'll find one that meets your needs. DuckDuckGo is a search engine that I've discussed previously and I like, but I still frequently revert to Google. It's easy enough to use this secure private search engine, and if it doesn't return enough results, to switch occasionally to Google. DuckDuckGo does not collect or share personal information, and it processes searches in a way that shields your personal information when you click on a link. Next is WeTransfer. It's a secure way to send files up to 2 gigabytes, and it's free. Email applications are far from ideal when it comes to sending any attachment, particularly large attachments or attachments that contain personal information. The service is headquartered in the Netherlands, so the company adheres to the Dutch Personal Protection Act, a strict code of privacy and data protection. All files are encrypted when they're on the servers, that's described often as at rest, and while being transferred, that's often described as being on the wire. Both sender and recipient receive a secure link to access the file. Although the basic service is free, WeTransfer does offer storage options and other features for $12 a month or $120 a year. And how about your email service? ProtonMail is the secure answer to Google's Gmail. Google does allow some external apps to access Gmail accounts, which then allows human developers to read the contents of your messages. ProtonMail takes the exact opposite approach by encrypting messages on the wire and at rest so that only the sender and the receiver can see the contents. And earlier I mentioned the Tor project. This is something that frightens some people because it's used to gain access to the dark net. But it was developed in the mid-1990s by the United States Naval Research Laboratory. The Tor browser is based on Firefox. It shares about 95% of Firefox's code. Tor routes website requests and server responses through proxies to hide your IP address. Search histories are immediately deleted so they can't be viewed by anyone who uses your computer. Using Tor will dramatically slow internet access because the service bounces signals through various servers all around the globe to ensure untraceability. Mozilla also mentions Firefox Focus. It's a mobile browser that keeps your web activity from being tracked by your phone or tablet's browser. All history and cookies are deleted when you close Focus, and by default it blocks ads, which makes websites faster because they load without the extraneous data. And you might be interested in Medium. It collects information from you so that it can present information you'll find useful and interesting, but it does not sell your information to advertisers. That means it's not free. Instead, you'll pay $5 a month or $50 per year for unlimited access to real journalism. And last, Signal. It's designed to keep voice messages private. It has end-to-end -end encryption for messaging and voice calling. That means nobody will be listening into your calls or reading your messages. The service is an open-source project supported by grants and donations.
Starting in September, Microsoft began offering enterprise users a 64-bit only update. That's about half the size of the combined 32-bit and 64-bit updates that have been offered until now. Instead of a nearly 5 gigabyte download for x64 and x86 systems, administrators can obtain a 2.6 gigabyte update just for the 64-bit systems. The smaller 64-bit only updates are available for Windows 10 versions 1703, 1709, 1803, and 1809. This is a big improvement for large clients that need to roll out updates across hundreds or thousands of computers. But what about home users? It's no longer 2009, and most computers sold now are 64-bit systems. Major software manufacturers no longer even support 32-bit systems. So why is Microsoft still bundling 32- and 64-bit updates together into a single file for anyone? Wouldn't it make more sense for Microsoft to offer separate files and allow the Windows update process to determine which is needed? The information is easily available, after all. For home users, it would mean faster updates, particularly those who are still stuck for whatever reason with slow connections. Microsoft says enterprise clients will see considerable time and bandwidth savings with this option. Why not make this an option for everyone? The smaller update files are available for customers that use the Windows Server Update Services or depend on the System Center Configuration Manager. It is important to note that the smaller updates differ in one critical way from the combined files. The smaller files contain only the current updates, not the usual cumulative update package. That could be a problem for users who missed an earlier update, and it's likely why Microsoft is limiting the service to enterprise clients. There is no corresponding 32-bit only update. Clients who need x86 versions will need the combined files. On average, websites are probed for vulnerabilities nearly 60 times a day. That's an increase of 16% from last year. The probes are attempts by criminals to locate ways of hijacking the sites. Those numbers are in a report by SiteLock, a company that provides protective monitoring for websites. TechBiter Worldwide does use SiteLock. If you scroll to the bottom of any page on the site, you should see an icon from SiteLock. It includes TechBiter.com at the top of the icon and hopefully the word PAST at the bottom along with the current day's date. If SiteLock finds a problem with the site, I receive a notification so the problem can be resolved. I have received only one such alert and it turned out to be a misinterpretation of some legitimate code that was on the site. In compiling its report, SiteLock examined 6 million websites to look for malware. The report says crooks are using old standard attacks and lots of new techniques. In most cases, malware is hidden deep in the site's structure to make it harder to spot. The report suggests using a file-based malware scanner that can automatically remove malware upon detection. That, of course, is exactly the description of what SiteLock offers. But scanners are better at spotting threats than are developers who would need to manually inspect every file and every directory on the site. TechBiter, by the way, has tens of thousands of files in its directory structure.
Crooks use social media as points of entry, and the more social media connections a company has, the more likely it is to be attacked. Virtually all businesses now use a variety of social media to interact with customers. So if you'd like more information about the threats, check out the SiteLock blog. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And while you're there, check out Spare Parts, because that's the only place you'll find it. This week, a new version of True Image, the backup application by Cronus, will add the ability to backup cloud-based data files. USB devices are being pegged as the most significant threat to industrial process control networks. Those are the ones that run the electric grid, refineries, and other essential systems. And some advertisements on the Internet are just six seconds long. Advertisers are learning just how hard it is to communicate a meaningful message in six seconds. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.